You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. I just, I'm only having one. And so I have thought about it. (laughs) Then in the end, I'm like, but that's really hard. This is Jada Dormeyer, Supply Account Manager at Nori. And I'm Ross Kenyon, co-founder of Nori and Director of Creative and Marketing here discussing which Nordic country to live in where you could have a child every two years and theoretically never go back to your job ever again. And does the math work or does it not? I think we determined that on net, it would still be harder to just keep having children at that rate. Is that where we landed on that? I think so. But it's really good to like really balance it out. And I think it deserves more thought. The perfect Ross, do you want me to do you want me to just be your co-host from Honor? Are you asking me? We can me be talking about this so all you know, the time. You know I can't say no. <laughs> Super imposing <laughs> and rude, Jada. Just say you'll think about it. I'll think about it. No, it's great <laughs> having you here. I, I really wanted you to come back on because you come from the agricultural world. You grew up in it. You worked in it. You're here at Nori. You're continuing it. This sort of like high-tech ag link. Um, I don't know. You, you're probably... Are you not the closest person on the team to... Ag, is there anyone who even has, uh, is closer to it? Can anyone give you a run for your money? You know what? I don't think anyone can at this point. There has been people that could, but honestly, I think I was always the only one that had grown up on a farm. Um, but definitely I think there were other people that could give me a little bit of a run for my money, but you're right. I, uh, grew up on a farm. I worked as a crop insurance agent before coming to Nori and I'm really focused on like relationship building with farmers. And um, so I really enjoy that piece of my job. And today we wanted to sort of go back to basics. Radhika Mulgavkar and I did a show recently where we asked, what is carbon removal? Because some of these shows, they get pretty esoteric. We're talking about uh, inside baseball companies, you know, methodologies, techniques for removing carbon. We might even have molecular name drops here of of molecules that's kind of spooky for new people and in the same way regenerative agriculture people say it all the time what do they mean by it what is it for why is it important we want to just start over reintroduce it and then we'll have an episode jada that we can just point to and say start here this is the first yeah, one that's... you should listen to i think that's great i think it's great too um unfortunately that puts you in the hot seat though since you are the closest one to it What even is regenerative agriculture? And good luck, because there's probably an infinite number of ways to answer that question. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. But you're right. There's very many ways to answer that. Uh, But I would say that regenerative agriculture is the practice of uh, replenishing the soil instead of depleting it. Uh, So that could be using practices like cover crops, reducing your tillage, um, making as little soil disturbance as possible. Um, adding perennials so there's longer growing seasons. And uh, by doing that, you're increasing soil organic carbon, you're increasing the organic matter in your soil, and you're getting some co-benefits from that. So like your soil is able to hold water better, and um, there's a lot more biodiversity within the soil. So there's a lot of things that you could do. Uh, people talk about like regenerative grazing and grasslands. Um, and so some of those, a lot of those things kind of fall within regenerative agriculture category. 
No simple question to answer here. And I have so many follow-up questions. Which way do I want to go first? Uh, maybe we should contrast it with how agriculture is quote-unquote conventionally practiced. A, a farm that is not farming regeneratively and yet is a bigger operation. What kinds of practices might they be doing? What are they thinking about when they're growing? And then we can contrast that with uh, a more regenerative mindset. Yeah, so modern agriculture, I mean, I think everybody kind of thinks of like a really big farm and they're growing one or two crops. Um, and and that actually is like pretty short growing season. So maybe they'll plant in the spring and harvest in the fall. And then for the winter, there's just bare ground. Um, and then they're also maybe intensively tilling or doing some sort of tilling that's really disrupting the soil and taking all of the organic matter off of the soil and not incorporating it back. Why even bother soil. doing that though? Because the way that you're describing this makes it sound like no one would in their right mind would ever do this, but there, there's a rationale behind why someone would want to till the soil and turn it over, right? Yeah. And I think it really came from when we started like specializing in monocrops and also wanting to produce like mass amounts of food in one area. And so you can handle like weed control and some of those things um, a lot easier. Like if you're adding, if you're not putting on herbicides and you're not like putting on, if you're starting to put on cover crops and things like that, maybe you're not focusing on weed control. And so sometimes weeds can overtake or um, overtake your crops or something like that. And so when we started specializing in mono cropping and wanted to produce mass amounts of food, it maybe made sense to do some of this, but it actually is depleting our soil and just making dirt that doesn't really, it can't hold all of the uh, nutrients that crops actually need to to thrive. One of the other ways I've heard it put is that when you till the soil, you're making a lot of the the good carbon content in the soil of bioavailable to those crops that you want to grow, but it also releases a huge amount of it too. So it's like a, it's like a, a hit of, of the good stuff, but a good chunk of it just, you know, evaporates into the air and is in the atmosphere all of a sudden. Is that, is that a correct way to understand it? Yeah. And I think it's good to note, like there's always going to be some carbon releases, but we want to make sure that we are like keeping the the soil covered and keeping as much of it in the soil as we can. So even, I mean, even when you are practicing regenerative agriculture, there's going to be like some variation of carbon staying in the soil and leaving the soil, but we want to like find the balance where we're keeping the most of it stored in the soil. So conventional agriculture is using a more intensive tillage system. Obviously, there's some nuance here, too, where some strip tilling, but it's like a very yeah. specific kind and it's less invasive. Or I mean, no-till is sort of the the gold standard, I think, for a lot of regenerative farmers, too. I'm sure there's some nuance here, too, where some amount is good and maybe they can thread the needle. Yeah, I think that um, there is like a range of different tillage types. So like intensive till is a really, really deep tillage. Um, and then there is kind of like a scale that there's less and less tillage that goes up to no till. Mm. Um, some people, of course, you do strip till. And some of those things are just like reincorporating the organic matter back into the soil instead of just taking it all off and going so far into the ground. So there are um, benefits to doing some of those things. And then also like changing your practice costs a lot of money too. So Sometimes maybe you're not going to go as extreme 
um, if it costs a lot of money. And, you know, farmer input costs are like really high. Uh, as everybody knows right now, costs are high for multiple industries. But I think in farming, we don't realize that their input costs are, they have to pay for gas, they have to pay for uh, seeds, they have to pay for this equipment, and their prices are pretty low too. So some of those, I think all of those things come into play to uh, decide like whether or not to do what practice. Mm. What are some other differences here between how farmers might farm conventionally versus regeneratively? What do we even get to so far? There's cover crops, there's tillage. I imagine there's some amount of uh, complexity of, of rotation or something like that is probably in the mix here. What else is there? Yeah, so increasing the diversity of the crops you use, um, adding perennials so that we're keeping that soil covered. Um, like people add cover crops um, in the fall and then you have uh, ground cover through the winter. Um, if you add like something as simple as farmers are typically growing spring wheat and instead start planting winter wheat, you have a longer growing season there. So um, having that plant growth through a longer growing season and also like keeping the ground covered. So like even wind erosion and those things don't um, aren't as drastic as they would be if you have bare ground. You're feeding then, those microbes in the soil, essentially. Yeah, yeah. For nori, we also um, consider things like adding organic matter. Um, so like litter or compost, that also increases organic matter. There's always like a conversation about if you're adding manure or something, there's also the conversation of where that's coming from in the methane loss. Uh, but, um, but it also does increase soil carbon. So there's like a balance there too. Hmm. For regenerative farming, do you think it necessarily has to be a smaller farm? Are there are there big farms that can farm regeneratively, or does it have to be uh, old McDonald's farm to truly be regenerative? Hmm. I think that may just be like somebody's opinion. I think anyone can farm regeneratively. Like on a small scale, you could have a couple of acres or even I've talked to people that have regenerative gardens um, and are planting perennials, maybe native crops and things like that, that maybe it's not what we would think of as typical agriculture, but they are like working in the soil and and increasing soil organic carbon and all the organic matter in their soil. And they're, um, you know, they have low soil disturbance and all of those things. In my, like, one of my dreams is to have a um, food forest someday. And um, anyways, I won't go into that. But something like that in your backyard, you could do something that small. Um, and then for Nori enrollment, we typically have farms about 2,500 acres on average, which some people might think is really big. And of course, there are bigger farms than that. But you don't have to uh, transition your entire farm to regenerative ag if it maybe costs too much or something like we talked about. But um, I don't think there's a limitation to how big or small a farm can be. You just have to start employing the practices as needed and over time. Yeah, we've seen a fair amount of talk about this, about it always comes back to this omnivores dilemma portion where Michael Pollan talks about the fights over organic labeling and, yeah, you know, there were people mm -hmm. who were sort of true believers of 
organic and that meant things uh practices that were much more restrictive and much more inside of the organic ethos of like you have to be a small farm and it should be you know hundreds of things all growing it should be super complex and almost by necessity must be small and labor intensive and then you'd have you know big organic producers that would come along and they would restrict the use of certain types of pesticides and herbicides but they were not practicing the more thoroughgoing organic way of of farming um surely it's good on net that the big producers do that that's where you're having huge land use changes but it doesn't mm-hmm. give some people maybe the same warm fuzzy sense as the the smaller stuff like you'll see movies like the biggest little farm or something like that or see the stuff and kiss the ground which i think is super cool as well but mm-hmm. um it maybe has a it takes more of an intellectual understanding maybe than the sort of emotional response that some of this media elicits. You know, I actually think that potentially also could be because that's relatable to us. It's something that it's like, oh, on that scale, I could do that too. And it's like, I feel that big time when I see it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm like, I want a food forest. I've seen, (laughs) how can I do this in my backyard? Um, So I think it feels more close to home but the earth if we're thinking about it that way like the earth doesn't care and honestly when you think about agriculture and farmers really haven't been in the climate conversation and so i think even having big producers just the fact that some of them are transitioning into adding cover crops no-till and these practices um it's a really good thing for one the earth for the rest of the country and just like that we're all starting to think like I can get co-benefits for this. I can uh, I can make a difference also, even though maybe I haven't been in the conversation in the past. What do you think the potential is for farmland to become farmed regeneratively? Is this something that could have a, a huge impact? Is it overstated in how people understand it? How important do you think the change in agriculture could be? Hmm. I think that it could be really good, but it kind of goes back to that having um, multiple more, having more people at the table um, and determining like how to do it and what the easiest way to do it is. And then there's a lot of mindset that needs to change from um, how things have always been done. And really things haven't always been done in this modern farming way it's just that in the last you know however many years of our lifetimes that's what we're used to and so it seems like if something isn't broke then we don't need to fix it but that mindset has to change something is broken yes we can produce a lot of food yes uh, we're feeding people but there's an easier way there's a better way to do it and you do see co-benefits from over time um, and so I think there's just like a mind, sh- a mindset shift that has to happen. And I think it could have a huge impact, but I don't know like how long that mind shift, mindset shift takes to get to that point. Um, but imagine if like some of these huge farms did go completely regenerative, like that would be huge for at least carbon storage. Um, I think when I think of like individual people being inspired by some of those things that they saw. And then we're all starting these little plots of uh, farms or like producing your own food. And also, uh, you know, maybe like digging up your lawn and and um, making up food forest and you're 
some of the co-benefits for that would be like you're producing your own food and you're getting um you're also storing carbon and doing some of these things on your own and i think that's really the way that we have to build it up yeah i think it's really inspiring to see uh our work not to pat ourselves on the back but everyone who's working on soil carbon is this is really important work and if we don't have soil as a carbon sink for the planet the numbers start looking real scary it puts pressure Mm -hmm. on everything else to a huge extent i think people sometimes lose track of hey we really need to make soil work we really need to make natural carbon sinks work or the pressure on DAC is going to be enormous and probably we, I don't think we'll be able to get there in time. I don't even like saying that. That made me feel icky to say. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's important to think about, it's not only, I mean, yes, that's true, but it also like puts pressure on our food system and all of those things too, if we don't change. So there's so many reasons that we need to do this. One of the things that I really loved when we talked to Will Harris was about how regenerative ag can rehabilitate some of these towns that a lot of small towns in America have emptied out with industrial ag where there's just machines have replaced people and being able to see rural good jobs on healthy farms as being a possibility for this because a lot of times I think the the switch for regen ag is also one that requires more labor than was previously done conventionally and that actually can be a good thing that could I don't know I'm sure you've driven through some of these small towns in the hinterlands and it's some of them have a spooky feel or like they feel like they've just been hollowed out Mm -hmm. and deserted and it doesn't have to remain this way. And region ag could be part of that solution, I think. Yeah, I think Will too still like considers his farm like a family farm. And if you think about other family farms, like it's literally like the immediate family that's working on the farm because you're right, you need a few tractors. There's not a ton of other labor that you of outside labor you would need but this builds so much community and that's one of the things that i also like about it if you're interested in this topic we have so many podcasts with so many luminaries of regenerative agriculture i'll include links to several shows in the podcast notes here so you can check that out if you go to nori.com we have lots and lots of stuff written all the podcasts are there too you can also email hello at nori.com and get in touch if you have a question but we have so much stuff online too and podcasts and, you know, we've been running our gabs here for years at this point. There's lots and lots of cool stuff we've talked about. This is only the the, the barest scratching of the surface too. Um, yeah. Agriculture is surprisingly robust. There's so much to it. There's so much hardcore intellectual thinking to it that we we're not able to get into today for a little introductory show, but hopefully this whets your interest and more to come. So thanks for being here, Jada. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ross. That was fun. And just let me know about the co-hosting. Oh, <laughs> just adding to my oh, I was gonna say co-editing. You're adding to my <laughs> editing duties right now. All right, cut, I'm everybody. so sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you could please subscribe and give us a great rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify, that'd be much appreciated. It helps us get our content out to more people. You can sign up for our newsletter at nori.com, follow us on social media, and we will catch you next time.